Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Bald Move Pulp production. This is going to be the kickoff for the annual badass season on Bald Move. Uh, what is badass season? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to get to talking about that in a minute. But we're introducing uh, this through the lens of the 1995 action movie Commando, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, who is, for me and Jim's money, the epitome of badass. This is directed by Mark Lester, who directed Firestarter, uh, the Stephen King adaptation, and Armed and Dangerous, uh, kind of a silly, spoofy John Candy vehicle. It was written by Stephen DeSouza. Is it DeSouza or DeSouza? I don't think I've ever heard that pronounced. I call him Souza, but... He is a prolific writer. He did Die Hard, 48 Hours, Judge Dredd. He executive produced the first season of Knight Rider. He's done a lot of stuff in the 80s and 90s. As I mentioned, the stars, the Austrian Oak, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 3C, bald move, certified badass. Uh, also, Ray Don Chong is his uh, opposite. Uh, she's been seen in The Color Purple and Soul Man. She's the daughter of Chong, Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong fame, hmm. which I did not know until I did the research on this podcast. Uh, also stars Alyssa Milano as Arnold's daughter. Of course, you've seen her in Who's the Boss, Mellow, Melrose Place, and Charmed. Uh, Dan Hedaya um, from The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Joe versus the Volcano. I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? And the movie Clueless. Also, Vernon Wells from The Road Warrior. He's the Wes, Wes or maybe Wheeze. I can't remember. I, and with the Australian accent, I can see it yeah. going either way. Mm-hmm. Bill Duke, super badass from The Predator. Probably the only one that kind of holds his own against Arnold in this movie. And then Bill Paxton rounding up the rogues gallery. This will be the third time he works with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. After True Lies and Terminator. Jim, before we get talking about this movie, I want to talk about the badass system. This is something Mm -hmm. that we came up with in the infancy of Bald Move. I think it was the third or fourth episode of Blue Yonder, the very first podcast you and I ever recorded some, I don't know, getting to be 15 years ago. And we both love 1980s and early 90s action movies. And we kind of had debates about who was the best one. And we devised this system of the three C's to categorize and and properly rank these these mountains that are men. Uh, do you want to talk uh, about the three C's? What are the yeah. three C's, Jim? Uh, first up, uh, the, the most easy to identify, I think, is champion, um, which is a stand-in for how beefy are these guys? You know, do they look like people that you are uh, intimidated approaching? Or if they were coming after you, you'd be scared for your life. And I think Arnold Schwarzenegger... Uh, is is again like a, a very high rating on that. He's a one, which is as high as you can get uh, in champion. You, you got full marks there. It's a scale from zero to one. All uh-huh. three of these. So in, in 0.25 increments, I think. Um, uh huh. And the second C is charisma, and that's you know how how charming are they? How and it doesn't it necessarily doesn't have to be charming either. It could be intimidating. It could be like just how well i guess do they play their part in in the the movie um and and their ability to mentally and emotionally dominate a foe like intimidate uh you know charm get their way you know sure absolutely um and then the third c is character and that just means like are they playing a badass in this is this person like a green beret is this person ex-military is this person uh (laughs) 
we used to have a rating of are they on the cover of the movie with a gun and that backfired on us and so i think yeah. we're gonna do away with that but uh yeah. it basically like is is the character that they're inhabiting meant to be badass and arnold schwarzenegger plays a hell of a lot of badasses so we uh last year we we blew off the dust because we did a couple badass podcasts back in the blue yonder days we blew off the t- the dust of the the badass concept we did a curated four film uh walk through the bat the badass archives we did predator one of the all-time badass films of all time mm-hmm. we did uh, cobra for <laughs> uh, sly stallone we uh-huh. did uh uh that, that, that shit uh blood sport for van damme yep and then and we, we finished up under siege what was under siege steven with- seagal and uh, we went in depth and, and talked about the guys. We're going to we're going to run back two of these guys, uh, Arnold and Sly Stallone this year. We're going to do over the top for Sly, which is a little bit different of a badass film. Totally. And then we got some surprises for who we're going to we're going to bring uh, shine a, a badass spotlight on uh, the, the the this. This is a whole week celebration. Our working Wednesdays are going to be taken over by the badasses. We've got some ideas uh, to. Uh, this first stream they're going to do on Wednesday on twitch.tv slash bald move starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. Jim and I, we, we, we've got now a, a spreadsheet that ranks near 100 badasses. And when we're adding new ones all the time, uh, it, it's not enough just to make the list now. We want to start really recognizing the all time greats. We're going to devise a badass Hall of Fame, a Mount Rushmore, perhaps, of badasses on this first stream. So if you want to, uh, you know, nominate new badasses of the year, join us for the debates, help us design our uh, Hall of Fame slash Mount Rushmore. Join us for this week's stream on twitch.tv slash bald move. But again, we're here to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger, 1985's Commando. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Uh, This is... I don't know if it's the epitome of 80s badass action films, but it's definitely one of the foundational building blocks mm-hmm. what 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 makes commando great I, I can i say before uh i describe why it's great the watching this movie was an absolute uh joy i love this movie so much this might in fact be my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I know Predator not, is best. amazing. You're not saying nope, best. No, nope, no. Nope. I think Predator is damn near a perfect action movie. I don't know that you could even do better if you tried. This movie has flaws, but the way that this movie has is flawed is perfect. I love every single flaw and facet of this movie. Uh, and I think that's what makes it great. It has flaws. It's it's cheesy it's corny in a lot of places and you can laugh at some of its villains you can i i mean the the one-liners are they're so so frequent that it becomes Mm -hmm. its own joke it's like a meta one-liner when you hear okay arnold's opening his mouth i know it's a one-liner what's it gonna be this time it's it's just so badass it's it's the nth degree of what this thing is. 
This was what what drew Arnold because I did I did a lot of research into this and what drew okay. Arnold this film is it's a first film that he's not playing he's playing a, a quote unquote normal guy because <laughs> before exactly? this he was he was he was okay. a murderous robot he was a barbarian barely could speak you know he's just running around wearing a loincloth um and. And and he's like I I I'm not some maniac I'm not some crazy person I'm I'm a, I'm a father with a daughter come on and what's man. really funny is if you watch the scenes where he's being a normal person mm-hmm. he fails so hard at being a normal person it's like it's like the episode of Data where he's trying to learn how to dance and Crusher says just smile and uh-huh. he has the grimmest most inhuman smile possible yeah this. The, the the whole first 10 minutes of this movie where he's just being a normal dad with his daughter, Alyssa Milano, is some of the creepiest Uncanny Valley shit. Now, yeah. And, and what about this character is normal? I mean, OK, yes, right. he's in, in the moment. He's just a dad who's living out in the wilderness with his daughter and having fun. But his life before this is anything but normal. He's yeah. ex-military who has been on a secret team to overthrow the government of another country. Right. That that's the setup for this is he used to do that stuff and now he's yeah. just a normal dude I guess. But come on. He's like like a, a CIA detachment of Navy SEAL type of thing and he was the biggest baddest of all and he's out of that he doesn't do it anymore. I don't know what happened to the mom, but he's a single dad raising his daughter up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh somewhere close to Mount Baldy apparently. Uh but he's yeah, he's he, he plays a real weirdo. What's funny is because like I think Arnold will eventually relax into kind of like because he's I think he's a naturally charismatic guy, charismatic guy. Mm-hmm. And if you see behind the scene footage of like in these days where he hadn't quite gotten enough experience to have all that shine through, um, he still got it. But it's mm-hmm. just super raw. And maybe more suited to an emotionally uh, emotionless cyborg or an insane barbarian because yeah. that crazy energy kind of comes through. And I just it's like when I'm watching him almost drown Alyssa Milano in this pool, you know, <laughs> uh, right before, okay. you know, and it's, 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 it's uh, this montage of him doing dad stuff like she's putting an ice cream cone in his gigantic face. He's like, ah, and and uh, he's their pet deer. deer. Yeah. Yeah, just just normal dad stuff. Um, sure. But but after the, the, this is one of the most efficient movies known to man. So mm-hmm. they they have five minute montage to set up the fact that he's a normal dude. His old boss from the military comes in and says some shit's about to go down. John, you better watch your ass because everybody in your your unit's been going dead the last week or two. As soon as the helicopters fade from him leaving. Shit hits the fan. They mm-hmm. steal his daughter, and he has twelve. I think no, eleven hours mm-hmm. uh, to get her back before bad shit happens. And it's about this intense twelve-hour period where he goes and essentially kills everyone involved that's even thought about kidnapping his daughter. Yeah, and it's it's in this it's this infancy of badasses where everybody you know no, no one they didn't have military advisors. Uh, they didn't send the stars away to a six week boot camp, so they understand how the the the, the work the weaponry. It's just a, a a big dude with oiled muscles with big guns, and he's just waving them in random direction. And then the the B camera unit's going to film sixteen dudes exploding, mm-hmm. and like the, the climax of this film. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say the body count in this movie is truly off the charts. I'm not sure I can name a movie with a higher body count. 
other other they, than they, like massive disaster movies like 2012 or something i i saw that there's 105 people killed in this film and arnold's accounts for like 96 of them okay that makes sense yeah um and the, so, like, we talked last year when we did the Badass Fest. And, I'll, like, if you want to look at our previous Badass podcast, we'll link these in the show notes. Um, but we talked about in the Predator scene, there's that there's this glorious scene where they're all trying to shoot at this invisible thing. And they're just, like, just pouring lead down range. They got Jesse, the body. He's got, he's got uh, well, I guess it's uh, Bill Duke at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the minigun out. Uh, Arnold's got his big machine gun. Everybody just comes in. They're, they're launching grenades and they're doing this for like, I don't know. They're just mowing the jungle for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Arnold at the end of this movie does that scene except for with living men and it lasts for 20 minutes. Yeah. I was going to say the body count is all in that one scene pretty much. Yeah. He kills a couple yeah. other dudes maybe, but. Maybe a dozen people, but then he gets up and it's just like yeah. the, 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 the kill odometer just starts zap Brannigan very, very quickly. And, and he does. You can see in those scenes a lot of like what's going to be iconic from Predator, too. Right. It's yeah. There are a lot of like this is a test run for some of the, the particular shots in Predator, like him holding a chain fed minigun and just firing mm-hmm. into the woods one armed. Mm-hmm. Uh that's just that's in this movie like he's doing that like he said but with people and it's 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 almost like i remember that from predator and i'm thinking god that's one of the baddest things from predator but it's actually in this movie a couple years earlier yeah you can definitely see the dna like um uh this has got one of the all-time art iconic arming scenes like a dude just putting shit on and just like weapons and weapons and knives and bullets and clips and magazines and grenades and magazines into guns and you know uh yeah it's all close-ups and quick montage shots yeah 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 um the classic gearing up montage the other thing is like, I've shown this is a lot like Predator where I've shown many, many people, men, women, uh, all ages of kids and people love it because they get the idea that this is like very tongue in cheek. It's not it's almost like a slapstick comedy, except for instead of like banana peels and crotch shots, it's just grenades and bullets uh, that tearing holes through people. You're not supposed uh-huh. to take it serious like this is all grim serial killer shit if you don't have a sense of humor about it. And Arnold is helpfully <laughs> sure. there to give these like just grim one liners uh-huh. at a, a rate just a notch below the amount of bullets coming out of his gun. Uh, the other thing that works really well is his co-star uh, Ray Don yes. Chong is got a lot of really good chemistry and it avoids the pitfalls of a lot of similar eras where this late it, it's very national treasure and that you have an unwilling captive that uh-huh. kind of slowly is won over to decide the protagonist she makes smart decisions throughout mm-hmm. she is a valuable contributor to the plot she saves arnold's bacon on at least one maybe two occasions yep. uh and they don't fuck <laughs> yeah right they don't they don't try to muck it up with like oh she's actually hot for him and he's actually hot although did you know that they actually did film a sex scene and they it was described as unconvincing. Unconvincing. <laughs> oh boy. So it was not, it was not used. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, hmm. 
I, what, I had what never does done an unconvincing sex scene look like. Oh boy, I, I can see it I can close my eyes and I can see it. To be honest, <laughs> like you know, imagine imagine uh, Conan taking one of his pleasure women and uh-huh. just put uh, Miss Miss Chong there. Uh, mm. I, I don't I don't know the cur- that the, the right kind of. I've actually I don't I can't think of any sex scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, that no. Of, of any kind. Like like the closest thing you come is is uh, um, in in. Uh, not spy hard. What is the true, true lies? lies with Jamie mm-hmm. Lee Curtis? And it's not a sex scene. And Jamie Lee Curtis is doing a hundred percent of the heavy lifting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, it's probably better that they didn't include it. I, I, for some reason want to say there was a, another end to this movie as well. Um, might be where There's it a was five minute more longer director they were together, but I could be wrong floating around that. I found out in my research that I wish I'd yeah. actually seen instead it's of nothing. this. I've I, seen this movie like, 50 times at least. Yeah. Uh, so Apple TV had that version of it. I didn't rent that because it's like a, it's a minute 40 of extra footage and it's all just like mm. completely insubstantial stuff there. There isn't, they're not adding to the story. It's just like, Oh, when this guy gets hit in the crotch with an ax, you get to see him react to it for two seconds longer. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. So, there are tons of flaws in this film. Uh, maybe we should, maybe we should, cause I know there's probably, uh, this is an older film. Uh, maybe some of our younger whippersnappers haven't actually gotten the pleasure of watching commando. It's only 90 minutes long. I really encourage people to mm-hmm. check it out. It's going to enhance your, your enjoyment of this podcast. Although on the other hand, I don't think, can't think of anything that we'd say that would spoil the experience for you. <laughs> right. Uh, but in case you want to just pause now and, and get all the crazy balls to the walls, uh, action films, uh, one one of the most all time crazy bloody action films of all time. You want to go into it fresh eyes. Uh, the premises I'd pretty much said you've got a dad who is a former special forces guy. Uh, one of his victims of the special forces, a a South American president. They they had this country Valverde that there was kind of the stand in for Colombia, Nicaragua stuff like you know where we were doing kind mm-hmm. of dirty dirty shit to. Um, he was a deposed dictator and he wants revenge and he's killing all the men in uh, Matrix. This is uh, John Matrix is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's name. All the men in his unit uh, and they show up, try to kill him, are unable to do so. They kidnap his daughter and then he's got 11 hours to get her back. Um while he's supposed to be on a plane going to Valverde to murder the current president to reimpose the dictator, mm-hmm. uh, he's got that 11-hour air gap where he can save his daughter before they find out and kill her. Uh, and that's all the setup you need uh, for this movie. Um, he is aided and abetted by a flight stewardess, uh, the previously mentioned Miss Chong, who joins his efforts and, and helps him out throughout the movie. Uh, check it out. I want to talk about the fact that this movie succeeds as a badass action film with almost zero opposition. Uh, the uh, opposition force are the most motley, ragtag, ragamuffin, <laughs> poorly dressed, out of shape dudes mm. that's ever been assembled. If you if you made this movie today, you would have a team of burly fucking stuntmen and women that are flipping around and they got their arms. These guys are just they're all except for maybe Sully. They're all big dudes, but they look like they've they've lifted more six packs than barbells in, in recent history. Oh, yeah. Um, epitomized by Vernon Wells uh-huh. playing Bennett. Uh, Matrix's arch nemesis. 
will you describe this guy in the film? And then I want to talk about what I think went wrong. Here's the thing. When they first introduce Bennett, uh, there's a whole twist around that. Um, but Bennett doesn't seem like a guy who I would laugh at on the surface. But once they do the twist and you realize Bennett is still alive, suddenly they have him in, I think it's a black undershirt with a mesh, like almost chain mail tank top. Except um, for it's more of like a net, like a fishing net. Yeah. Made yeah. Out of yarn. I mean, and that's the thing that I didn't understand. Is he a fisherman? Is he actually a fisherman? Because when he starts the movie, he's on a fishing boat and they blow him up, right? Right, right. You're fake because he's he's the second commanded Matrix unit and they got everyone's getting killed. And it'd so they be a glaring omission death, if he yeah. wasn't. Yeah, they fake his um, death. But but I think he might have come back from, you know, overthrowing this country and become a fisherman because, yes, he has a fishing motif going on with his dress. Uh, but it does him no favors. Like it shows off too much of what I can only call like a stack of flapjacks body. It's not, it's not impressive, right? He's not, he's, he's dad botting before dad bods were cool. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and then you put the dad bod next to Mr. Universe literally, and it's no contest. It's laughable, um, to make him the, the major villain. Yeah, this is Arnold at like his physical peak. He is mm-hmm. like in the prime of his life. He's got zero body fat. He's got massive arms, a tiny waist, giant thighs. Like he is. There's a shot of him in a bikini mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of this film, and he's like just like a, a, an anatomical map. And then yeah. you got this guy with like man boobs and skinny arms in a fishnet vest. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who's going to protect these, this dictator from Matrix when he comes for his inevitable revenge. What went wrong? I, I, so I, I, I did a lot of research and I actually think I understand all the things that went wrong. Because the thing is, is like okay. someone pointed out that this guy is Wes or Wheeze in Road Warrior and he's pretty terrifying. He's a big dude. Sure. He doesn't have giant muscles, but he's got pretty good definition. And he's 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 big and he's lanky and he's got a lot of energy. It's crazy. This, he seems tubby and flabby and slow and he's got a weird affect. They hired someone else to be Bennett and they got like two days in the filming. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Uh, they, they, I don't know if there was, I, I heard a couple things that the, the guy, there's this word unconvincing looked unconvincing, uh, opposing Arnold Schwarzenegger and there was maybe some attitude problems. So literally at the very last minute, they call up, uh, Vernon Wells and he was clearly three cases into a beer session Yeah, and they're like, come out here and be this bad guy. They had no time to redo the wardrobe. He's wearing clothes that are like two sizes too small for him. Oh, no. He hasn't cut weight or lifted in a while. Yeah. And the script called for the idea of Bennett to be in love with Matrix, like in In a sexual way. Oh, I didn't pick that up at all. Well, I think now that I when knowing that context and watching the film, I definitely think that Vernon Wells is doing an unfortunate kind of campy, swishy gay performance. Like his idea of a guy who would be in love with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it, 
fucking doesn't work. It just does. It makes him it like that combined with the doughy body, the ill-fitting clothes. Uh-huh. Uh, he decided to, to to cut his hair because I guess he had long kind of a mullet hair. He decided to shave his head uh, to make him look meaner, but it just makes him look like he's got a bad great clips uh, buzz job that he's let grow out for six weeks. And Ugh. the mustache. He he yeah. described. He said he was trying to go for. Freddie Mercury on steroids. <laughs> and I think he nails scary. it. Yeah, but it doesn't I think sound he scary. nails it. But it does. No, it's not a guy that is, is going to stand up against this guy who eats green berets for breakfast. The only way in which he measures up to Arnold Schwarzenegger is height. I, I, I feel like that's yes, not a tall they are identical either. height. Yeah. And, and he's wearing lifts. So it looks like he's a couple inches bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure. But in every other way, I can't take this man seriously. And it, it becomes hilarious near the end of the movie to 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 a point where like Bennett is trying to force Arnold Schwarzenegger's head into an oven and I'm like or, or into a boiler and I'm like you're not going to get there man just give up you're trying to force Mr. Universe to physically do something he doesn't want to do it's not happening yeah yeah no his 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 arms are as big around as your head uh I I just don't understand cuz like uh it's in for like okay your costume, which is again a fishnet made out of yarn and a black tank top and some commando pants and boots, mm-hmm. doesn't fit this guy. Go out to the fucking real life Army Navy surplus store that you film at and just get him some off the rack fatigues. Yeah. And have him be like an ex soldier looking that maybe have gone to seed. You don't have to put him in sleeveless, uh, a sleeveless outfit Mm-mm. that shows off the fact that his arms have no definition and are mm-hmm. a third of the size of Arnold. There's like just a lot of un, unforced errors in. And, and, and the thing is, is Bennett's the top. He is the yeah. ultimate badass that Arnold has to get over to win this movie. It goes to shit on down from there. Well, you got no, Sully. no, I I think they made a huge mistake by not making Bill Duke that guy. Dude, if that's Bill that Duke I was forgot because Bill Duke and that's the best fight in the film. Uh, easily, easily. Bill yeah, Duke looks mean. He's got the affect. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what is, but like in, in in Predator, like they they put him in full fatigue, so he looks like a big uh-huh. imposing dude. I don't know what his cut up situation is. Yeah, they should have just made him Bennett. Bennett could have been yeah. the guy in the the kind of campy scene where they're filming a f- uh, porno in the in the hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> but like okay, so Bill Duke he is he is not embarrassing himself. Everybody else like. Yeah that dude that gets on the plane with him oh yeah (laughs) bohemian rhapsody is what i'm gonna call him (laughs) he looks like the film he looks like the cameraman from uhf that's eating like Uh a a hoagie all the time uh this guy is got like he's bald he's he's a he's a he's a big black guy and Mm -hmm. and so he's like six foot four he's bigger than arnold and that's where the good stuff ends because he's like three quarters of the way to bald but he's got long, like, I don't know, like a like a friar tuck that he's grown out three for two or three years. Mm-hmm. He's wearing an ice cream suit that barely fits him in a Hawaiian shirt, a straw hat. Yep. He looks like he's 59. Uh, it's just not good. They got Sully, who is about five foot three. Yep. And, and you and I have long maintained that they only cast this guy so that. Arnold Schwarzenegger could grab him by one ankle and, and hold him over a cliff. Oh, it's uh, glorious. 
and, and they're just like, and, and then everybody else is just like literal who, like when you get to the end of the movie, he's just mowing down wave after wave of fatigued paramilitary goons and they're fine. Mm-hmm. But all of like the spotlight fight scenes in this film, as good as this movie is, it would be a whole other level. If every one of those guys looked like they could conceivably beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger in some kind of universe. But, but that changes the tone of the movie. So one of the things I love about this movie ah. is the tone of it. And that's where some of the camp comes in. When you have laughable villains who I don't believe could stand up to a, a light breeze, let alone Arnold Schwarzenegger, it, that adds to the campiness of it. And to me, that is what makes this movie. If you were to put serious actors into the roles of Sully and Bennett, I don't think this movie is as good. I don't I don't think it's as enjoyable anyway. One of the things I think works regardless is the stunts in this movie are incredible. Yes. And not not just I, I want to talk about because the, we can talk about the Arnold stuff here in a minute. But like in the introductory scene where Bill Duke, for whatever reason, decides to steal a Cadillac and draw massive attention to their operation for no good reason. Mm-hmm. There's a stuntman that like is driven through a plate glass window by a yeah. Cadillac in the camera. It's really happening. There's no green screen or compositing. Uh there is like so many dudes getting blown up and shot uh, just in the background kind of stuff. It's it and, and it, it all looks really well coordinated and real. And even the guys mm-hmm. that are um, like that fight with uh, Bill Duke in the hotel room is a standout. They're knocking each other through walls and shit. Uh, the fight with Bennett, even though it kind of sucks, it's got some kind of epic moments where he's like really taking it to Arnold with that big pipe. And of course, you know, letting off steam. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I guess this is a good segue into the good stuff. The shit that they have Arnold do, like, half of the set pieces are like, look at this big dude lifting an entire tree by himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's within the first minute, or eh, first couple of minutes of this movie. Uh, Arnold's Arnold's carrying this long-ass tree trunk. I can't tell if it's real. I believe Arnold could carry a tree trunk this big. Oh, absolutely that size, yeah. Uh, and yeah. he's moving like this thing is heavy, regardless of whether it's a real tree trunk or not. It's got some mm-hmm. substantial weight to it. You could tell just his footsteps are very heavy. Uh, and it's super impressive. He's, you know, he's got it over one shoulder, so he's all flexed. As he's, he's holding a chainsaw rippling. bigger than I am with the other arm. Uh-huh. He just uses that as counterbalance, right? It's not even a matter of weight <laughs> yeah. at that point. Right, right. He's always like, oh, I could do two trees, but I also got to get the chainsaw. And <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. You mentioned because, um, boy, ah, my heart broke a little bit doing research in this because I found out that, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger can bench something like 500 pounds. And he was confident that he could lift an actual phone booth, but they were unsure of what it would look like on camera. So they built one out of balsa wood. Oh, man, because that's my favorite Uh, feat of strength in the entire movie is when he pulls a phone booth with a man inside off the ground and body slams it. Yeah, it's incredible. That's my favorite stunt in the entire film. Same. And the fact that it's like balsa wood. The other thing is that the director is a seems like an insane man. This uh, Mark Lester wanted Arnold to dangle Sully over the cliff Mm -hmm. and Arnold's like, are you fucking crazy? Absolutely not. We got to rig that. (laughs) 
Uh, and if you notice, like it's it's it, you can't really see it except for the ve- like a couple frames at the very beginning of the scene. You can see the steel cable that's around the guy's ankle that uh-huh. Arnold is going to like dangle over the cliff. Uh, because like I, the first fifty nine or forty nine times I watched this film, I took it as a matter of child faith, childhood faith. Because I've been watching this film since I was, let's see, eighty five. Uh, since I was nine years old, mm-hmm. uh, I took it as a matter of faith that he really carried a tree. Yep. That he really ripped a phone booth out of the ground with a dude in it. That he really dangled a full grown dude one handed over a cliff. Uh, yeah. That that he actually flipped a Porsche. Uh, 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 over to, to, to drive it that he actually ripped <laughs> he actually ripped uh, seats out of a Mazda Miata or whatever the hell uh, uh-huh. Cindy's driving uh, and Here's I'm the like thing. I'm all of these stunts I believe he could do it's not like he can't do these things it's more like for yeah. safety reasons th- they won't let him do these yeah things. It's, an, it's an insurance thing you know he is because like, yeah. he made he also made two million dollars for this film this was like one of his first oh, really nice. big paydays Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he was a star that they were trying to protect. Uh, also, he did a lot of his stunts, and he went to the emergency room three different times Ooh. with different cuts and contusions that he got. Because uh, you can tell, like he climbs a three-story building just by climbing up its drain pipe. He does a lot mm-hmm. of uh, his, his own stunts in this film. It's just, man, I'm still a little bit disappointed that that's not a real phone booth. Sure, you know, um, on the on the topic of stunts and you know Arnold doesn't do all of his own stunts in this movie they probably won't let him there's a pretty incredible stunt in this movie that kind of blows my mind and I don't know you know what what movie magic they made uh, this happen with but that scene where Arnold tears the balloon down he, it's in the mall I love this whole mall scene uh, but where he tears the balloon off the ceiling or whatever and then swings down and lands on top of a moving elevator uh, yeah. The stunt man who does that, I am super impressed with him because that is a that is a real stunt. I I don't know if he swings all the way from the second story or third story or whatever, but he definitely swings onto a moving elevator, times it perfectly, and lands without problem. And I was just blown away by how impressive that stunt was. There's uh, uh, some other stuff like there's this really interesting downhill chase. Where oh, yes. Arnold's trying to catch like these guys are going like Arnold lives up in the mountains and there's this long switchbacky road that goes, mm-hmm. you know, to, to the next highway. So the bad guy. So they the bad guys think they're gotten away from Arnold because they disabled his his Ford Explorer or whatever the hell this SUV is. Mm-hmm. And there's a shot of him like looking under the hood and he gets the uh, the distributor cap. And it's just but it's just wire spaghetti. He's disgusted. So he pops emergency brake and pushes it downhill and jumps into it. <laughs> and you can see the bad guys with horror realizing like we have to traverse this whole mountain. He's just coming straight down at us and whatever stunt man yep. they had piloting that thing earned his fucking keep that day. Cause it is out of control. It is yes. taking hard hits. It there is a spit. Several cuts where I'm like, well, that thing just flipped over after they cut the camera. Yeah. The second they stopped filming, this thing just biffed and that guy just went ass over tea kettle. Uh, yeah. but it looks really fucking cool. And I don't think I've ever seen anything just like that, where it's like, I'm going yeah. to take the straight line and I'm going to have like six opportunities to ram you off the road. Like, Oh, you, you, you dodged me this time, but guess what? You're going to have to make another turn. I'm come. I'm not losing any speed. And I'm coming straight at you. Yeah. And it lasts forever too. It's like a two minute sequence of him going straight down this mountain at them. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
one of my other things is I love like uh, through they chart they chart this guy's progress through the movie. He's got his old general. Uh, I think he's a two star general. And uh-huh. he's following Matrix throughout the movie, and like they keep on asking his for reaction, like, uh, and he keeps on being saying things like, uh, "You're gonna need a lot of body bags, or you might as well expect World War Three. It's like it's just, it's just ever escalating things, a uh, story of 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 blood and carnage that Arnold is carving through this film. It's very much like Rambo in that way, right? Uh, yeah, or, you know, the first one, first blood. Did you know that they actually so like I guess Arnold and Slide really hated each other at this point of their careers because they were essentially competing for the same roles in the same kind of marketplace. Sure. And the studios leaned into this. That line where he's fighting with Bill Duke and he says, I'm a green braid. He's like, I eat green braids for breakfast. That's mm-hmm. a direct dig at Rambo because Rambo <laughs> is a green beret. Yeah. So like they're they're beefing. They're beefing in the films, Jim. I love it. I love yep. it. trying to think if there's any more stunt stuff to talk about um there's so we we talked about some of the casual feats of strength uh the things i i think that arnold can do in about anything in this film but there's one point where they're breaking into i think it's either a car impound lot or maybe it's the the uh army navy surplus store he grabs this like half inch steel chain with a beefy padlock and just yanks it and it comes apart like mm. no fucking way. Mm. If maybe the Terminator version of him could do that. That's the only one that I'm like, okay, there's no, there's no possible, possible way. Um, yeah. I thought all the work, like him escaping the airplane was really cool. Like he uses, there's this elevator and this uh, double decker airplane that he rides down to the cargo bay. He's just like ripping apart the canvas walls that, that divide all the cargo containers and he's smashing his way into the landing gear. And then he essentially does a swan dive from like 50 feet in the air into this swamp. Yeah. Uh, Saved and by I, the tall grass. I lo- yeah, I love him actually making that because like, it just is essentially he just kind of sits down. He sits uh-huh. down from three feet altitude into this in this swamp and then he just starts uh, just wading through a man on a mission. Yeah, I don't know what takeoff speed is for one of those types of planes, but it's probably pretty high. Yeah. Um... I'll tell you one thing that is fucking goofy and I noticed this like two or three watches ago and it keeps on getting goofy. The scene where he's in his little black bikini briefs and he's uh, rowing this extremely short rubber dinghy. Mm -hmm. It's very clear to me that Arnold has no idea what he's doing. Like he's trying to do a backstroke, but that like there is no keel on this boat. So it's going to want to like spin 180, 360, like, and he is struggling to make it look like he is making headway. And this little, he's essentially got an inner tube with giant oars Uh and he's trying to get this to go in a consistent straight direction. And it's just not, it's just not happening. And they cut like 17 different times from the, from, from her being on the boat and him making about 17 feet from it. Uh, And it's, it's now my favorite thing to watch for is the fact that he's just, (laughs) yeah, man, you should have a kayak or something because it's just not Uh happening with this rubber boat. I'm convinced that that shot is only there to show off his back muscles rippling as he it does rows. a good job right it does a good yeah rowing it does it's definitely shows mm-hmm. off the the anatomy lesson that is his back for sure yeah the other thing i noticed about that scene is when he gets to shore and he jumps out to pull the boat up onto shore mm-hmm. 
that's either a stuntman or it was filmed a different day. I'm pretty sure it's a stuntman. I don't know why he used a stuntman for that, but they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the guy who pulls the boat on to shore in the wide shot is wearing like light gray bikini briefs or a speedo or whatever. And then they cut wow. to Arnold doing the same thing and he's in black, jet black uh, pants. Yeah, why, so. how hard is it to find black bikini briefs <laughs> right? in Hollywood? It, I wonder if it's... It's the same boat that he's in, though, so it can't really be stock footage, but yeah, mm, they must have yeah. filmed it a different day or something. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't get that. Um, I want to talk about the soundtrack. Oh, God. This is the most badass soundtrack ever recorded that features a steel drum. Mm hmm. Like even even better than Bloodsports. <laughs> oh right, Bloodsports had what the Does fuck it? is with the steel drum soundtrack? Because it, it's like I think when I think of steel drum, I think of relaxing in a Caribbean mm-hmm. beach with like a red stripe in my hand and like a coconut daiquiri in the other. I'm not thinking like death and mayhem, but and, and for whatever trying, reason, they're hardest to get there with this. So, like, there's so much going on in the soundtrack. I I think oh, it's, it's it's complex, bad, right? Yeah. It's the yeah, 80s, yeah, yeah. so we've got to have uh-huh. synths. Um, so yep. they start off with synths, and then they add in a smooth jazz saxophone for part of it. Some kind of some kind of woodwind, yeah. Uh-huh. And oh, and then they straight up woodwind, yeah. They they got the flutes in the mix and the oboes and shit, and then jangling metal is all I can describe it as in the background. The whole time it's just going like, yeah, it's uh huh uh huh with this jangly metal sound. And then you're right. The steel drums are going. It's, it's cacophonous. I don't even know what's happening in this soundtrack. And it's not, you can't hum it. It's not like a tone. No, it's just like this wall of sound that mm-hmm. is underpinning everything to Arnold. Anytime Arnold does something badass, this, this giant wall of, of cacophony starts up. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not bad. It's not like, it, it's not, to- it's not jarring tonally because it is sounding kind of vaguely menacing or something like that. But uh-huh. I'm like, man, that's another easy upgrade to this film. If you had like the sa- the Terminator soundtrack, uh, this would be a better, but you're right. Like I, I'm, I, I, yeah, the more I think about it, some of these flaws are not really flaws because if you did uh, parts of the movie better, it would make the things that are shitty, really stand out in stark relief. Whereas yeah. this is all just kind of like at a slapstick, not to be taken serious level that just kind of works together. Right. I do wish if the bad took... guys were better though. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see it. I, I do love the bad guys in this, but they they could have gotten better ones. Here's the thing. I think if you take any element of this movie and put it into a movie like predator, it makes predator a bad movie. Yeah. And yet in this movie, it makes the movie better. You know, yes. Yeah. yeah, there's some magic that's happening here where all the elements are coming together to create something beautiful, even though yeah. <laughs> individually they're not that great. Also, like and James, how... James Horner did the music for this. I, yeah. I want to talk about that. He has done tons of great uh, scores and tons of great uh, compositions. And I'm. I, I wonder what happened here. Was he just early in his career and exploring and hadn't figured out what his style was? And so he's trying everything together all I mean, at once. Maybe that's what they want because like, or yeah, Rathacon, amazing soundtrack, right? 
Uh, I'm looking at some of his stuff. Uh, he did Commando. Oh, so he did Aliens, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Red Heat, which I I, I quite enjoy. Uh, Field of Dreams. Uh, that's just his work in the 80s. Uh, he did The Rocketeer. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that soundtrack. Uh, searching for like all kinds of different stuff. Clear and Present Danger. Braveheart. Apollo 13. Jumanji. Titanic, I think. He did Titanic. Uh, yeah, a lot to the Zorro films. Uh, the perfect, the perfect storm. Beautiful mind. He's right, but this is. I I don't know if it's like in the beginning of his career because again he he crushed it on Star Trek too. Sure. Uh, so maybe the the director because this director does seem like a little bit of a goofball. Like he's the guy that's got Bennett like in love with with Matrix, which is right. That would have been an interesting way to do it. It's just like you you have this beefy man's man from the eighties trying to do a guy who's kind of closeted gay. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. Yeah, you know, it would be better if he had just not tried to affect anything at all and let the subtext carry it because there is like this obsession. Like Bennett's like uh-huh. talks about matrix like he's uh 12 his like 12 year old best friend you know john matrix can do this matrix and do this matrix would laugh at your men and we'd laugh together as we killed them we'd laugh <laughs> and laugh and like it's just it's it's obviously intense and like a hero worship that's been perverted for some reason because he got i forget what his petty grievance against matrix is but yeah. like yeah they don't, I don't do a great know, like job said, of describing why he's angry at Matrix. I, I think the idea is Matrix got all the credit for overthrowing this government, and I don't know how anybody really got any credit per se for doing that. Because I thought it was a shadow operation, op, but right, right. Uh, it, I, I guess some somehow Matrix got the credit, and he was pissed because he hasn't there's been dead also, against him. Yeah, and there's also a little bit about like uh, Bennett is a true psycho, like he murders for the pleasure of murdering, right? And right. that's something that they kind of like butted heads over. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the character of Cindy because it does sounds like some of this is accidental because it turns out they tried to do a sex scene, they tried to do this, they tried to do that. <laughs> um, she is not your average damsel in distress. Like they, no. she's a stewardess and she's attractive. Um. But like she plays everything so smart in the beginning of this movie, like Arnold kidnaps her, takes her to a mall and, and gives her this sob story about his, his daughter being kidnapped. And he's like, I need you to go and do something for me. The very first moment that she gets away from this guy, she immediately goes and tells the authorities there's uh-huh. just some crazy dude that's trying to he's kidnapped me like she tries to turn him into the cops. Um, I forget exactly what point in a movie she kind of starts feeling sympathetic or she buys the fact that this guy's getting getting railroaded and decides to help him and once she does like it turns out she's like uh she's got ambitions she's trying to earn her pilot's license which comes in super handy in the film mm-hmm. she single-handedly saves uh, arnold when he gets arrested by the cops like they're taking him down in a paddy wagon she takes the bot the the the, the fucking missile launcher and uh, you know, she, she's got a which 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 way faces front problem. Sure, uh, but she gets who, that. Who solved among and, us wouldn't? You know, I was actually looking at this. It kind of makes sense if you thought that was a conventional gun. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would you put the long end behind you? Right. Like you'd hold it like a gun and fire it. Of course, the missile comes out backwards, blows up a store behind her. She gets it <laughs> turned around, and that, she's like, like when you look at you, you compare her role to um, like like Cobra Cobra last year. Um, yeah. well, who is that? Wasn't Kelly LeBrock? It was uh, 
the uh, uh, Igor. Bridget yeah, Bridget Nielsen. Yeah. You look at that thankless role and you compare it to what, what Cindy's doing here. It's like, it's almost, it's damn near modern. It's damn near modern uh, female protagonist level in a 1985 meathead movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the times where she does freak out, you know, and have breakdowns really works because like, yeah, she's in an insane situation. She's seeing crazy shit. Sure. And she's just expressing how fucked up all this is. And he's not reacting at all. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like uh, like in like for most of the movie, unless he's with his daughter, he's kind mm-hmm. of like in a Terminator affect, you know, even when he's cracking jokes and stuff. It's like it's this weird unemotional thing he's got going on here. Yeah. She but, like after all this happens, um, she explains like we just went through this this mall where like the security guards tried to kill you. You lifted a phone booth and body slammed it with a dude in it. You swung down from the third story, landed on an elevator. She describes exactly how batshit what just happened was. And she says, are you going to tell me what's going on or what? And his response is no. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. That's it. And he continues driving. It's really hilarious. The only thing that, that, that kind of bothers me is so in one scene before Bill Duke gets to the hotel room, Arnold has killed Sullivan, Sully, mm-hmm. but they're trying to make Bill think that Sully's still alive. And apparently Sully is like, you know, they set him up in this movie to be kind of a sleazy guy. And Arnold grabs Cindy and he grabs her blouse and he rips it open to where it shows off some of her cleavage. And he's like essentially pretend to be a call girl. Cause mm-hmm. Bill Duke will think this is just normal Sullivan behavior. I'm going to hide behind this door. She doesn't really look like a, what they would, what they call a hooker. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's even in that situation. It's like, okay, but throughout the rest of the movie, people say she looks like a hooker. Like the cops are says like, Oh, look at this hooker. But right. But like, yeah. what, what about this lady driving this drop top Cadillac in a nice kind of like business skirt and blouse? And then she's got nice hair and makeup. Why did like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's because she rolls up next to him and like makes eyes or something. Like she's trying to, you know, set up a, a Oh, that they just assume. uh, I gotcha. Um, Pretty bold to proposition. The guys driving the, the paddy wagon, (laughs) right? You know, they have time for a quickie. Are you guys cops? You have to tell me. You 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 have to tell me if you are. You I mean, know. is look, that a real uniform? Aren't above, aren't above it. Uh, at least the cops I've been watching lately. We own the city. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, sure. but they don't have time. They're transporting a prisoner, lady. You know this. Um. I I I I, I want to talk about the ending, but I also got something random. Oh, I have a lot along of the lines stuff. of the hooker stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, when Bill Duke and Arnold are fighting in this hotel room, and they are uh, just, just Bill Duke is firing this hand cannon that seems like it's deafening, and this goes on for like two minutes, and then at one point Arnold grabs him and throws him through the wall into the adjoining suite, mm-hmm. and there is a naked couple. This girl has like the biggest, firmest fake tits I've ever seen, and there's a camera tripod. Yes, they're 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 they are. Uh, there's a tripod set up and there's a camcorder going. They're record. They're they're filming a porno. I don't know if it's amateur or por- professional. Mm-hmm. Are they deaf? 
Did they not hear the gunfire and these two giant dudes throwing themselves through and against and uh, 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 onto the ceiling, onto the floors? And they're they're, they're just so caught up in the act that they can't, someone can't say, cut. We need to figure out what the hell's going on here. There's bullets coming through. Are they not recording the audio? Because surely this is disturbing. Like if there was violent uh, shit going on outside this room that I'm recording the podcast in, I would have to stop because it would ruin my podcast. (laughs) Well, yeah, imagine if you're watching porn and you're just like, you know, enjoying it and suddenly gunfire erupts in the back. Like, I'd be concerned. You know, I was like, I don't know if I can finish this. I'm worried about this this lady and this dude. This is going to be the best porn ever shot. I I, like I have so much to say about this porn scene. Oh, can Uh, you imagine? Yeah. Can can you imagine you're watching a porno and and these two people are fucking on the the hotel room? Pretty standard stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden, two ex-military dudes bust through the wall and start fighting each other in the middle of a porno. Yeah. That would be incredible. Baby, it's peanut butter and chocolate. Also, Uh, there's 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 this is a weird scenario all around. So. And I think they're making jokes about it. So when Matrix kicks Cook, who's Bill Duke, through the door to the hotel room, they're definitely filming a porno. And the woman is behind the man. Like, they're under the covers, right? So the woman is behind the man, I think fucking him in the ass. And then when... Oh, that's subversive for a mid-80s film. Right, right. And then when they come in, they're fighting and they take a break to stop and look at each other bill duke says fuck you asshole arnold schwarzenegger replies with fuck you asshole is that a reference to her fucking him with the strap on oh my god you, i well i know what i'm going to be watching for my 51st watch through this film because that's it. i swear it's the there. gym theory i gotta check it out yes uh, also there's a point where arnold grabs bill duke by his nuts lifts him up <laughs> in the air and throws him by his junk Th- yeah Throws him through uh-huh. a wall by his junk. That might be one of the worst ways to get thrown through a, a wall I've ever seen. It's insane. It's insane. Oh, yeah. And I love that that whole set, right? They've got the glass block wall, which is designed for them to punch through and throw each other through and so crumble. That stuff's really good. That whole scene is excellent. That's a great fight. The it's a great. It's a, I think it's the do. best. It's the best fight in the film. Yeah. For sure. Which makes me think Bill Duke should have been Bennett for sure. It's the best hand to hand fight. I mean, the, you can't beat the the gun mowing uh, scene at the yeah. very end. But yeah, 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 yeah. Hand to hand. This takes the cake. Um, Let's talk about that final scene. This the final okay. scene of the movie is about 18 minutes long. And Arnold has finally put it all together. He's tra- He's done the detect because that's the other thing. There's a, there's a detective work where he's tracking these goons down. He's trying to figure out where he took his their daughter. He's finally found the location where this uh, uh, Presidente Arias is. Ha- By the way, uh, this President Arias is kind of funny. He is playing a South American dictator. He is a Syrian Jew from New York. Hmm. Uh, that like is it, yeah. da- that's Dan Dan Hadea, but he is a South American dictator. They they've tracked mm-hmm. him down uh, to his compound, um, and Arnold assaults it by the beach. It's, he's just got a duffel bag full of boom boom and his 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 his, his, his beef. And um, hey, where was I going with this? And then I, he 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 starts off the assault by like planting explosives under barracks or whatever, and then he draws some fire, and then he he there's like this 
massive explosion. Like, I don't know how much fucking C4 Arnold brought. Like, maybe the whole boat was made out of C4. That, that, mm-hmm. then that's how he had so much problem pilot he blows that up and then just all for the next five minutes it's just him literally with this belt fed machine gun waving at people the way you would like wave a garden hose at children that you're trying to cool down in your backyard you know like they're running away he's just waving it and then the, the, the camera is showing him waving this gun and then the camera reverses and shows like 15 dudes bullet holes blowing out all over him and then falling down onto the ground yeah. And it just goes on for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an excellent fight. I, I love the explosions at the beginning. They're they're way bigger than they should be, which is perfect. They're filmed uh, for like six different film angles, so they uh, do that 80s thing where they just keep showing you it from a different angle, the same fucking explosion. Yeah, they uh, got their money's worth. Totally. Uh, and the body count, yeah, it's fantastic. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, this is where he's doing the belt-fed machine gun with one arm, classic Mm -hmm. predator move he's going to use two years later uh good stuff so he then uh runs out of ammo he takes a grenade up his ass gets blown to safety Uh a very early example being blown to safety uh he's wounded and he retreats to this garden shack about 15 guys surround it with automatic weapons and they just hose this thing down like they're pressure washing they're pressure washing a building that's covered in mold and, and something. They're trying to just try to blow it down to, 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 to resurface it. Mm-hmm. One intrepid guy comes to, to go check on it, opens the door, and Arnold comes flying out the pitchfork, pitchforks this guy in the chest. He goes down. He takes two, like, I don't know, seven and a half inch <laughs> uh, circular saw blades. Blades, one guy, like, just takes the top of a skull off, which is yeah. kind of amazing. Nick hits the other guy in the throat. Those guys are down. Now he's got like a sickle and an axe and he's going to work just chopping these guys down. He kills like another three or four of these guys with his bladed weapons. Then mm-hmm. one of them drops, of course, a belt fed machine gun and the carnage starts up all over again. Yeah. Um. This leads to the worst fight in the movie, which is Presidente Arias versus Matrix. This is they shouldn't even have done it, right? They they should have had Arius try to beg for his life, try to buy his way out of it, and Arnold just kills him. Right. Uh, Yeah, it's a little game of you know cat and mouse, a little like duck and cover and chase the guy through, and it's okay. It's just not believable because I don't think this dude has any experience with this stuff. So yeah, and like Matrix has been killing hundreds of his guys, and he's got like one rifle, and yeah, it's. It's not great. Uh, it doesn't last that that long. He um, shotguns him out, out of his through his uh, French door balcony off the balcony into the plants two stories below. Pretty, pretty good death. But this leads to maybe the only thing I find unbelievable about this movie in a way that's like it, not fun. Um, after he kills this guy, he, did, right. he still doesn't know where his daughter is. Right. And well, OK, so there's two things here. A. Matrix failed. Matrix fucked this mission up and his daughter's killed unless she finds a way out of that room, which she did. Right. He got there too late. He got there too late. She should be dead. Um, Second, she's wandering around the facility while Bennett's chasing her, trying to kill her. And she's calling out daddy. And he hears this like she's in the fucking boiler room. Like it is so loud down there. You couldn't hear yourself think, let alone hear someone call daddy from two floors up. 
And it's Arnold just, for the last 20 minutes has heard nothing but 140 <laughs> decibel gunfire and explosions. That's the other yeah, thing. The only thing yeah. he's hearing is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But somehow Alyssa Milano's daddy cuts through. Right. Uh, right. With his dad powers. Maybe it was but, a spiritual oh, daddy. By the way, I forgot to keep on cutting to Alyssa Milano throughout the whole movie, trying to like try different ways out. And they do like in part of the montage of their daddy daughter montage is him teaching her judo. Like yeah, you know, he's 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 like training her to be a warrior princess. I think so. Some of this plays out a little bit better. She eventually figures out a bust out. You're right. If she was some normal daughter that he hadn't taught judo and search and rescue evasion, she would have been dead. Yeah. The scenes of Matrix, or I'm sorry, Bennett tailing her through the mansion with the knife out is some of the most ridiculous. Again, I think this is him trying mm-hmm. to be a little swishy. But it just goes, it just, he just looks like a fat dude with a knife that doesn't know how to use it, doesn't know, like he's going to trip and stab himself. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing about, I hate every bit, the first part of the Matrix fight versus Bennett, mm-hmm. where they're circling each other with the knife and Bennett's doing this thing with his fingers. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. He's got his ha- knife in one hand. He's got the other one out. Just like he's like he's he's he's, he's just twiddling his fingers. Like it's going to like throw Matrix off. I, I think he might be trying to hypnotize John Matrix and and not to yeah. like giving up the fight, but into literally aging. There's one point where. He's staring down on Schwarzenegger. He says, you're getting old, John. You're getting old. And I'm like, are you trying to age him by saying yeah, this? Like, because he and, looks like he's got, you look like you got 10 Mountain. years and 50 pounds of the wrong type type on him, dude. <laughs> right. You're telling that to a man. To, to, you're standing across from Mr. Universe trying to taunt him about how broken down his body is. What? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, like Arnold's taunting of him, like the the, the this guy's acting job when yeah. Arnold's because he's got him dead to rights with a gun. He's going to kill him. And he's like, come on, Bennett. You want to see you want to get in close to the knife. You want to see the light when the lights go out, don't you? This guy's react like the, the way he's trying to do this, like psychosexual pleasure that he's feeling from the idea of killing, like overcoming his fear. And like he, mm-hmm. he kind of feels like he's afraid. A bit like like it. He's he's got the affect of like he's called out the biggest dude in school, and there's a ring of kids around them saying, "Yeah, do it, pussy, fight him." And he wants to back down, but he can't. Mm-hmm. But there's no one in the room but him, Matrix, and Alyssa Milano. Yeah, he could kill her so, and then run off. Yeah, it's it's wild with that and the finger shit. Now, once the knives go away and they get yeah. done struggling over the fire door, I actually think there's some like really. Like he gets some good shots in him with that metal pipe and that like really look like they connect and I'm starting to like really get into it. I mean, then yeah. the fight's over because Arnold goes on like this one sided punching <laughs> like every way you can punch a guy. He punches a guy in like this quick cut montage. Yeah. And, and then the I best- love how that starts because, you know, uh, Bennett's still taunting him. He's like, I'm going to shoot you between the eyes and then I'm going to yeah. shoot you between the balls. Yeah. And Arnold's response to that is to literally say bullshit and get up and uh-huh. punch him 17 times in rapid succession. <laughs> yeah. And then he's got him. He's after all that, he's still got him dead to rights with the gun and he's caught. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's racking around the chamber. Arnold looks to his right, sees this steam pipe that's still attached and he grabs it and he rips this 10 foot section of like 
four inch pipe off the off the wall mm-hmm. and throws it at Bennett, who's standing in front of this big, I don't know, boiler reactor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it penetrates all the way through Bennett's body, through his chest, through his sternum, through his heart, through his backbone, through the the I don't know how many inches thick steel uh, and then proceeds to let steam out the other end. And Arnold says, of course, hey, Bennett, let off some steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty great. It's one Classic. of the, it's one of Arnold's greatest one liners. This is I mean, Bennett takes a lot of abuse. I, I, I say like he look, he's not in good shape, but he could take a lot of abuse because you kind of glossed over the, the boiler door fight. Uh, oh, or that yeah. part of the fight. I mean, that boiler door was closed and it comes right off of the boiler and you know, he uses it to hit Arnold and it's then Arnold picks up as a shield, right? It's got to be 800 degrees or something and they don't react at all. And then Arnold uses it to smash Bennett into <laughs> the electrical works of this facility. And he electrocutes for like 30 oh my seconds. God, I, for, I forgot the, the uh, routine that he right? does. And he, and he comes out of that even more crazy. Like it's yeah, like it's almost like it's him. like it's like Godzilla struck with lightning and now he's coming out turbocharged yes. against Matrix. He's breathing fire. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Tom is fire. Wild. He's breathe. That uh, fight is is excellent. And I love the conclusion. I love how happy uh Alyssa Milano looks that her father gruesomely murdered this man. Yep. It's fantastic. Yep. yep. She's like uh all all smiles. And then like uh then the general comes and he's like, all right, Matrix, we're going to have to get the your old gang back together. And I'm like, well, wait a second. He has no gang. They're all dead. You established that in the first five minutes, you idiot. Uh-huh. But he's, he does this like half hard and uh, Arnold just keeps on turning him down. Like, like Alyssa Milano's looking at like, are you going to join the army again, dad? And he's like, no chance. And he grabs her, puts it on his arm, takes off with, with her and Cindy. Uh, and then they drive off in a seaplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To... I don't know. They, they have kind of a rocking 80s action anthem at the end. Yeah. I kind of yeah, wish like they lo- lost. This. Yeah. Lost the drums and just used an instrumental version of that throughout the film. Cause it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's trying to be a eye of the tiger a little bit. It's called like we kill for love or something. I, I can't remember. It the is exact name, the, the, the lyrics like are that. bizarre. Yeah. 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 I've, uh, but uh, it's got a, it's got that. You know, rising up. Yeah. I like it. It's it's wasted at the end of this movie. Sure. Um, And I I like that they never made a sequel to this movie because that would undermine John Matrix as a character. Right. Like he says, I'm never coming back to this ever again. And he makes his daughter a a promise. I do think uh, before the rockets too old, can we not make remake the commando? Oh, yeah, that'd be great because I and, and just in this time, just lean, make it a good like unironically good. Just fix mm-hmm. all make him have them all. All the bad guys be top notch. Uh, keep all the insane stunts and the physical feats of strength. Uh, the daughter daddy relationship. All that's fine. Uh, just just have better music, better costuming and better bad guys. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a great companion piece because you've got like the campy original 80s version and then you've got the like modern John Wick sensibility you know man monster the rock version I think that would be a great companion piece it'd be there's 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 room to remake Commando into a modern classic without taking away anything from the original Mm -hmm. 
what else we got uh, to talk about i've got a bunch of random stuff that i noticed in this movie that really needs to be talked about because it's bizarre hit me um first of all i don't know if always sunny got this from this movie but john matrix can literally smell crime um he at the beginning of this movie he the amb he gets ambushed at his house right. and he's talking to one of his dudes who's there to protect him and his daughter and he says like he says remember you're downwind and this guy's like you think i could smell him coming come on what and matrix says i did yeah <laughs> like he literally yeah. smelled the ambush you uh, can smell the gun oil and the the cheap cologne then I don't know what's happening at this house. There is some weird shit going on. Um, so Matrix is, you know, he got ambushed. He's he's trying to fight off these bad guys. He climbs up the roof to his daughter's room because she kind of lives on the second story or third story. Yeah, here. some kind of dormer type sitch. She's got a balcony situation or, or like a deck, a rooftop deck situation that has no handrails, nothing. It's just a flat a flat surface that she can go out onto. She's got a door built out onto it and everything. Cause he goes in through that. And then when he gets inside her room, I I don't know how to describe this painting. It's, it's a, there, there's an image of his naked daughter straddling the bathtub and it's, it, which might be fine in like the private, you know, photo album of your family stuff. Right? No problem. This is like a painting or a colored pencil drawing it's definitely How not have a photo. I never seen this. Oh my god! And and it's framed. It's framed. It's in her room. I want to know who it can't drew. be her. It's got to be something else, right? I mean, it's got her hair. It looks like her. Uh, but I, who made this picture? That's what I want to know. Did he draw it or did she draw it? And either way, that's a bad explanation. He's been listening too much of that subversive rock and roll. That's another line that I didn't remember. Like I've seen this thing like. Uh, he's looking at one of her Tiger Beat magazines and he sees Boy oh, George yeah. and he's like, I don't know why they don't call him Girl George. Oh, and Jesus. just in the confusion, he's like, you know, and my, the communist shithole that I came from, they don't let us listen to rock and roll because it's too subversive. Maybe they had a point. Oof. Oof, Arnold. I bet you, I bet you, <laughs> I bet you wish you had that line back in 2022. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it is weird stuff going on in the house. There's also later in the movie when he um, is trying to follow Sully to the mall out of the airport and he hijacks the Cindy's car. He rips the passenger seat out. And I honestly don't know why he does this, because in the next scenes where they're following Sully, he's just sitting in the passenger seat like he's not ducked down or anything. He's just like slightly less tall than he would be. I He's think very the point obvious. is he literally wouldn't fit in this teeny tiny Euro sports car that she's driving. But it's a convertible. And like the top is down. No, but I mean like I mean the legroom. Legroom's not there. Oh. He couldn't fit physically into it, so he rips it out. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. But it is hilarious because even when doing that, it looks like he's as tall as she is. Like, you know, he's like sitting yeah. he's wearing the car is what he's doing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's an accessory for him. Uh <laughs> like a tutu. It, there's another scene where they're trying to get to this seaplane, right? Um, and they they alert the guards, and the guards come driving at them with machine guns firing. <laughs> and right. I get it, man. It's probably hard to fire a machine gun from a moving vehicle and hit hit a person, but to not be able to hit an airplane, like not a single bullet goes through this airplane. They are shooting 
into the sky. They're shooting behind them. I don't know where they're shooting. I can only assume it's because the plane they rented, it would have been too expensive to actually put bullet holes into a plane. No, the very last thing before Arnold finally takes these guys out and shuts the door, it does get three bullet holes. Oh, the very Maybe last thing on the door. Could they replace the door? Is that like the oh, most affordable I wonder, piece I wonder, of the plane? I wonder. I wonder. That might that because I I was thinking the same thing. Uh, like my God, they must have because it's it is it's this absurd. <laughs> it's like that Monty Python uh, Holy Grail where Lancelot's coming from like a mile away. It's like dun, dun, uh-huh. dun, dun, and the guards are looking at. It's like that except for they're both exchanging gunfire. Yeah. Arnold's got this like Uzi thing that he's holding gangster style and he's spraying him down, not hitting a goddamn thing. They're coming at him. They get to like fifty feet away. And Arnold finally, just as the boat's pulling away from the the dock, he he kills them both, and they roll into mm-hmm. the bay or whatever. But it's yeah, uh, the marksmanship not super there in that scene. No. And then the final thing I have to say is like a, another continuity error type of thing. They the airport that they show them flying out of um, is Tom Bradley International Airport, and you can see it on the signs. Um, and apparently that is an airport in Connecticut and they are most definitely not in Connecticut. I'm pretty sure they're in California in this movie. Oh yeah. They're like, uh, uh, I think the William Hurst castle is what's standing in for Arius's estate. Huh? And okay. the reason they picked that is that it was one of the few big land uh, places that they could film, uh, that they would also let them build those barracks so they could explode. Yeah. They say it's, so, a, it's on an island near Santa Barbara. So, yeah, that would definitely be California. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all uh, I've got, man. What a great movie. I also like the way he drives in this film because every single time he gets in a car, it's just gas to the wall. Whether he's driving a sports car, like a Porsche, whether he's driving a giant Cadillac, it's just this mm-hmm. guy doesn't give a fuck about fuel consumption or rubber on tires, man. He's got no time to waste. He's got 11 hours to save his daughter. That's true. Yeah, I I do like that. There there is a clock on this operation, and it's it's one that makes sense, you know? Yeah, totally. It's not arbitrary. It's very smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing about it is like... He's dead, tired. He he doesn't really know... Yeah, that's a great kill. Um, uh, But he doesn't really know what the situation is, right? Because Arius could be anywhere. Arius and Bennett could have... Like when they put Arnold on this plane, they could have gotten on their own plane and flown to Costa Rica. You know, he dude, it's an they could be going gamble. 11 hours in the opposite direction and he yep. would not be able to catch them in time. So it's an insane gamble to yeah. bet that in 11 hours you're going to find and locate your daughter before this guy lands and they yeah. instantly kill your daughter. Because that's the thing. Once this guy's corpse hits the ground and the guys uh, in Valverde find out about it. Yeah, Alyssa mm-hmm. Milano's toast. And like yep. you said, he even goes over like 30 minutes over his deadline. So, <laughs> right. Uh, eh, like we'll fix that in the, the Rock remake. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll know where they are, but it will take him all that time to get there. Maybe. You got any other random observations? No, I think that's it. What a way to kick off the badass season. Again, we'll be back next week with Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top. <laughs> I can't Which wait. is, in its own way, as delightful as Commando is mm-hmm. in the absurd. Uh, we're, we're, we're exploring the absurdity of the, the 80s badass in, in this series, at least so far. Uh, please join us on our uh, Wednesday live recording of our badass sessions. We're going to talk about the badass Hall of Fame and... Uh, 
We're going to be looking at a Mount Rushmore of badasses. We're going to be taking uh, new inductees that we're going to be debating in the weeks to come. Uh, we're going to make that a podcast and release it too. But if you want to participate and join into our live discussion, check us out at twitch.tv slash bald move this Wednesday at 1 p.m. Otherwise, we'll see you as the Badass Fest 4 rolls on next week with Sly Stallone in Over the Top. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>